Welcome to Season 2, Episode 81 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I'm your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me today, I got the crack core team of Mr. Matthew Aguilar. Yay, yay. Janelle Wheeler's with us. <laughs> hey, guys. And one of the originals, Mr. Brandon Davis, is back with us. Hello. And today, we got a lot to cover. Uh, on this totally non-stressful, easygoing day of geekdom, we are going to be doing a nice little trapeze of escapism through The Mandalorian Season 2 premiere, which we will now be able to talk in full spoilers, since you, like us, and everybody else has finally gotten to see Chapter 9 of Mando. We're going to break that down. We're going to talk about the latest Marvel and DC TV rumors that sound pretty exciting. We got some new details about Halloween kills from the horror side from uh, the screen queen herself, Jamie Lee Curtis, that we want to talk about. Plus, we got to talk about what's going on with Fear the Walking Dead this season. There's some things we got to say about this show. So we brought back the original team for that, our Walking Dead team of Janelle and Brandon. So we're going to break down what's going on with Fear. Plus, Batman has a new villain, Hootis. We're going to talk about it and break down everything that's going down in Batman after Joker War with the debut of a new Batman villain. But up at the top of the show, we got to say goodbye. 2020 has come and claim another one, another good one. We got to say goodbye to Mr. Sh- uh, Sir Sean Connery himself. He has passed away at the age of uh, 90. And, uh, you know, I mean, not a lot to say there. I mean, he lived a life that we would, most of us would envy. Uh, he was kind of the man forever and... Yeah, we're going to miss him. And he left behind a great body of indelible work that's going to be classic, you know, and, you know, in all the senses of the word classic. So uh, nothing I could say except uh, going to, yeah, we're going to miss him. But yeah, we're going to be pulling out those old movies from Dragon Heart to, to, uh, oh, you know, Dragon Finger. Yeah. Hello, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Even in a bad, like, in a crazy first movie. Night. Like that. Yeah, first night. Oh. Come on, man. Like, yeah, Sean Connery, even in crazy movies, is, is <laughs> just brought characters to life that are just so great. The Untouchables. Oh, yes. Highlander. Dra- even Dragonheart. I mean, even League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Like, yeah, he's he the best was, part of that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he's great in that. And, like, you know, even him choosing scenery in that is great. So, yeah, we're going to meet at The Rock, of course. You know, there's, there's just going to be a Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade. There's going to be so many things we miss. So, uh Thank you, Sean Connery. I, for one, am just going to miss... I hope they still do SNL skits about him because him on Jeopardy are oh probably... My oh, my God. <laughs> things ever, so... Classics. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, that's a sad, serious note for the show today. Let's move on to some geek-tastic stuff. Like I said, we're going to jump into the world of uh, Marvel and DC TV rumors. We haven't checked in on some of the rumors yet because we are in this weird limbo where... Things are on hold and we can't give you like certain things. So we try not to become like a rumor conspiracy show while in this uh, quarantine arc. Those are other shows you can but check out. We still out have to try to stay hopeful. We yeah, try to I find mean, like moments oh, to get excited about. <laughs> that's why we hired you to do that, to bring the hopefulness. Uh, but, I will get excited about anything. <laughs> uh, no, no, that is, that is absolutely not true. We found some serious Janelle Wheeler triggers, but... We're not going to get into those today. No, we're going to leave those grenades in the bag. But uh, today, I think something we can all unite on is uh, talking about WandaVision and the HBO Max Green Lantern series. So let's start on the Marvel front. We've been hearing from some uh, Marvel merch leaks that there could be a character, I don't know if it's surprising, that could show up in this. I mean, it would be surprising from an actor behind the scenes standpoint, but uh, not so much from a story standpoint. Rumor is we could be hearing, seeing Quicksilver show back up in WandaVision for a cameo based on some, uh, like I said, some merchandise we've seen from the show. What do you guys think? We're going to throw this to Mr. Marvel expert himself, Brandon Davis, over here. Give us a skinny. What's going down over here, and how viable is this rumor? Could we really see Aaron Taylor Johnson make a return to the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Doubt. Uh, no, wow. I don't think I don't think I don't think you'll see Aaron Taylor Johnson as Quicksilver, because I think you'll see Evan Peters as Quicksilver. Uh, I think that we're gonna start seeing some multiverse play. Maybe not a, maybe not full diving into the X Men franchise as like a s- parallel universe, but um, I do think we will see the best part of some of those X Men movies being brought into. WandaVision in some way to kind of actually for the first time truly acknowledge that there is a 
a multiverse of it all. And I think that'll go in directions of both new universes that aren't from previous movies and also probably tie to some of the previous movies like, you know, Spider-Man 3 and the amazing, or the, the, the first Spider-Man trilogy and the amazing Spider-Man movies with Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire. Um, but yeah, I don't think uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson's back. I have not heard a word about Aaron Taylor Johnson being on set. Uh, I have heard words of Evan Peters being on set. So yeah, that's, that's, uh, I don't, I'm not a hundred percent sure he's playing Quicksilver, but he's been there. Yeah. I mean, I never, I mean, I kind of called, <laughs> I was in some of the kind of early press conferences for Avengers two, like before they even started showing things. Cause Marvel loves to do this press conferences without showing you anything. Um, and one of the first things I asked Aaron Taylor Johnson was like, Hey man, looking over your resume, you've never done a repeat performance in your life. Like, are you really doing a repeat performance for this entire franchise? And his reaction was just like, gotta go. Like, you know, <laughs> you know, he pulled the quicks over on that one, but sure enough, like, yeah, he's very much like a one and done actor. Cause it was a big deal. And I had said that because I had just done an interview with him, like for quicks for a kick-ass two. And it, all he did was sit up there and have like a mental breakdown and kick ass two press conference about how it was like killing him to return to the headspace of a character he thought he had like completed in like a franchise. And he was like going nuts from this. I was like, I don't see you doing like a long Marvel arc. I do so think like, one yeah. of them could like is going to in a big way incorporate or at least acknowledge that there is a mutant gene in the MCU and the X-Men in one way or another. Uh, and I think that that might be one way to do it is through the multiverse of it all. But I also think like if you read the Wakanda files and there was a book a few years ago called uh, uh, the Marvel studios character encyclopedia. And both of those have kind of hinted that there is like something in Wanda that is different. Why, why the mind stone activated a power in her, but it like killed other people. They try to do such experiments on. Um, I think that the parents that died in Sokovia might just be not her biological parents. Uh, and maybe she doesn't even know that, but I think Magneto is going to end up still being her father, whether it's because she's from a different universe or because Magneto is hiding on asteroid M or the blue area of the moon or something to try to find a way to mass unlock everyone's mutant gene or something. Uh, I think that could be a factor too. Wow. Ooh. That's why oh we need gosh. you on the show, Brandon Davis. This you have all this awesome. kind of crazy I feel stuff. Like it, I could all end up being wrong. Uh, maybe I'm, I'm hy hyping yeah. something that could not happen. You could have just been locked that, in that your is, quarantine for too long. That is and very <laughs> exciting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how much of that will happen, but that is very exciting. I, I, think, you know, I think sometimes I end up getting like pieces of it right, and then like you put all my theories together and you have enough <laughs> for one complete thing that happens. And then so, we have Reddit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, that's me. Like, I just blindly guessed at the ending of Avengers Endgame, and I still get, like, messages about that when I tweeted something at Chris Evans about him becoming old man Cap at the end of that movie <laughs> because he was, like, yelling about something on Twitter. So, you know, just to say, this is, this is the level of our professionalism. This is why we're such though, a crack team. I would love to see the Magneto stuff. No, I, I like Brandon Davis' oh, versions yeah. of events. I like yeah. that version. Like, I love that. Yeah, I'm not fighting that. I like this. Yeah. I, I, mean, like, I want to see like this. the trailer. You look at the trailer for WandaVision, you have, like, Bova on the wall, right? So, or, or, at, like, Bova at one point helped raise Wanda because Magneto wasn't, and, like, so did other people. So if they're going to if, – if, if all of WandaVision is a projection from Wanda's mind and we're seeing Bova on the wall, like, that might just be a senseless Easter egg, like, just to acknowledge parts of comics. But at the same time, maybe it's something deeper than that where Wanda is subconsciously projecting things that she might not even know she remembers. And that could all be, like – Wait, why did Magneto abandon her? Where has Magneto been? Why did he send her away? I don't know. Those are things I've been thinking about too. Man. And the Quicksilver Man. thing just, just kind of makes it seem like we're going to get some sort of X-Men mutant, maybe not X-Men, but the mutant gene to start with, with yeah. WandaVision. Man, I told you guys a long time ago, this was my most anticipated of uh, phase four. I knew this thing was going to be special. So but uh, all right, we're going to be keeping an eye. I mean, like all of you will be keeping an eye on WandaVision. WandaVision is your most anticipated over like, Doctor Strange 2? Well, I knew that it was coming before Doctor Strange 2, and uh, I knew this one would be the one. I got the articles. They're on comicbook.com, Marvel, if you want to track them down. But, like, yeah, this was just the one that I knew would open the door to all the real craziness of Phase 4. I was like, I feel like this is a sleeper hit. Yeah, I think when but, uh, we, we talked about it, yeah, it was, it was WandaVision, and then, yeah, I remember Doctor Strange is mine. 
for a similar reason though. It's all the possibilities that are yeah. opened from that premise. Like it's just all the stuff that you can cool. link to like this. The fact that we can actually get a like legit credible Magneto theory out of this show. You know what I mean? Like that, that it can spin that way and actually sounds like, oh, hey, that would kind of make sense. It's cool. And that's the things that I'm looking forward to. Yeah, so moving on to the DC side before we get called biased. The Green Lantern <laughs> HBO Max series seems to be getting more and more interesting as the days go by. We've learned that, you know, we just kind of touched in on this last time when we heard that they were going to be just selecting a crazy assortment of Green Lanterns to tell stories about. Uh, not even like the big ones like Hal Jordan or Kyle Rayner necessarily, but some of the kind of the newer ones. And yeah, they might even get some new ones. Uh, now we're kind of hearing an additional rumor that the format of the show will actually kind of take place in different time periods or timelines. One being kind of the throwback 1940s, the kind of 1980s, and then present day, which are all kind of golden era and silver in modern day eras of DC Comics storytelling and Green Lantern storytelling, which is kind of interesting because taking like Brandon's thinking about piecing together things. If you see what like Mark Guggenheim and other people involved with this series have said, they've kind of pitched it. It seems like they've learned from some of those more prestigious like HBO shows and stuff and like HBO was done in kind of the sense that while you're making a series instead of the Netflix route, you also have to make something that each piece is kind of like good. If you're going to be making like a long eight hour Green Lantern story, like right. each piece of it has to be good. So, you know, it's almost like an anthology even though it's connected, each episode should be its own kind of, you know, self-contained, almost like movie experience. Uh, and it seems like we're going to get that. Like, it seems like we're going to get these very kind of complete, almost movie-like in themselves, Green Lantern stories. Matt, I'm always curious about how you feel about this show because I can never tell if you're excited or just kind of angry about how this is all shaping up. <laughs> no, 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 I'm excited. <laughs> I'm, I'm very excited. Um, I'm curious. I mean, the fact that one, they're designing an all new lantern and it's going to be like another black character into the mix which is great i have, there was a little part of me though that was supremely bummed when i found out it was a, a character that's code name right now brie jarda and it wasn't joe moline because as i keep ranting on this show far sector is one of the best green lantern books like in the last like however many years and it's fantastic and she's such a cool addition to the mythos that i was like oh this is your shot and then no, we're not going to do that. And so I'm, I'm a little bummed that that's the case, but I'm always excited for it because like a lot of the new additions to the Lantern core have been really good. Um, I, I like the timeline idea. I think you can play with a lot of the core that way and you don't muddle a bunch of things up of like having to explain continuity, like having to explain why, like, I mean, Alan Scott's still around, you know what I mean? And like the current continuity, but again, you can have fun with it and not necessarily have to like restrict yourself but then you can tell a long overarching story about things that other lanterns have done and connected on. And it allows you to explore different parts because like space cops, you know, like that whole thing, like depending on who is the writer gets taken to some really crazy places and you can do all that and have fun with it, but then do something like the show you always talk about, like Lovecraft country, right? Like do something really cool and different in one episode, but still have this kind of linking thing throughout. I'm excited. I mean, I'm, I'm excited for it. I, I hope, the things that Guggenheim is saying, I hope all that comes to fruition. You know, he says he doesn't want a lot of filler. I'm very happy about that. Um, and I just, you know, I don't need to hit all the lanterns. You know, there's so many, there's so many cool ones, but uh, I just want them to get this character right. <laughs> I just want them yeah. to get the character right. That's all I want. I just want a really fun, cool show that like shows why these characters are awesome. And so I just, fingers crossed. That's what, that's what I want. I'm curious Brandon. what the tone is going to be of this. Like, is it going to be a little bit more lighthearted? Is it going to be kind of intense? Uh, are they going to touch on like political things? I'm just curious about what the tone of the show is going to be. Good, I think the good thing though, is that depending on the lead, you can, that can change. Yeah. You know, obviously like with Guy Gardner, you can have a more lighthearted, you know, who cares, you know, screw this stuff, like <laughs> kind of attitude. And, you know, the dude's lantern like goes off like a faucet. Like, I hope they accentuate that stuff, like how each lantern is different, not just in like their characters, but like how they use the ring, how like everything embodies them. So like, you can do that in one episode and then have Alan Scott be a completely different tone. And, st but it's still, yeah. feel like it's all part of the same world. And I yeah. The Alan Scott one sounds like, I mean, from just what we're hearing the pieces, it sounds like it could be about a, you know, 
gay superhero living in the 1940s. So right, yeah, and that and sounds awesome. That sounds like awesome, but also much more serious. And and well, right. like Jessica Difficult. Cruz, right? Like deals with anxiety. Like Jessica Cruz's whole thing was that like she, she had to fight fear constantly. Like that's a big thing about the Lanterns that like there's no fear, but like her whole story arc is that she was so anxious all the time and had such a hard time activating the ring and had to work through all this internal stuff to get there. Simon Baz, you know, like had to deal with all this prejudice uh, and being a part of the Lantern Corps because he was assigned to Earth and it was during like a really crazy time. So like all that stuff, those topical things can be there and you can deal with them in like one episode, two episode things, but it yeah. all still feels like the world. There's so many possibilities there. I love it. I just love that they're not going with Hal because I know everyone loves Hal, and I like Hal a lot, but he's the most boring <laughs> of all the other Lanterns when you look at, like, all the things you can explore in those characters, and then you look at Hal, and you're like, eh, there's, you know. You know what would be a great twist to this show is we get all these stories about, like, all this stuff, and at the end of the season, the big reveal is that Hal has become, like, they're doing the Parallax story, oh! and Hal is Parallax, and he's, like, has Kyle. And like this has all been about like, like getting that next thing of hate it. together. I don't hate just, it. Like fight him or some some crazy zero hour type type deal. So it's time and space. You get all no, these lanterns. Don't like, hate that one. Yeah, bit. that'd be awesome, God. and they'd be revealed as somebody gets cast as like Parallax, <laughs> Ryan Reynolds. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that'd be pretty cool. That'd be a cool reveal. Um, all right, that's good. So we're gonna be keeping an eye on Green Lantern for sure because this is also for me. Like, I mean, for me, this is like the big. Like like Disney Plus is to Marvel, this is the big DC launch on streaming and this next level of kind of cinematic show. So I'm, I'm really interested to see what they do here. All right, moving right along. Let's talk horror. Halloween Kills. So Jamie Lee Curtis has been out talking about Halloween Kills, a movie we were supposed to be sitting down and watching right about now and uh. all enjoying and discussing its box office and all that. But 2020, y'all, you know how it is, so... Halloween Kills got knocked back a year, but um, as a gift, you know, the Halloween franchise tried to just kind of give fans little caveats this year, little tidbits of treats because, you know, they're not getting the movie. And uh, in one of them, we had this nice kind of interview with Jamie Lee Curtis on the uh, Sirius XM Jess Cagle show when she was talking about Halloween Kills. And she kind of laid out these interesting ideas about the movie, which is that, uh, you know, something that this movie will deal with is the ramifications of Michael Myers' violence, not just on Laurie Strode and her family, but on this entire town and the people involved and how what he's done is kind of whips people into a frenzy and that this movie kind of deals with uh, how violence can and all these things and like murder or this pain can inspire like mob violence and, and this kind of mob mentality, which was pretty interesting because, again, it's just like a weird case of something that like, they called a lot of the things that happened in 2020 before they ever knew that things would kind of go this way. But um, she and John Carpenter have both kind of indicated that this second chapter really is what they call, I mean, it is quoted a masterpiece and that John Carter said, it's like, you know, it's so intense. It's just incredible what a good job they've done with this and they can't wait for you to see this. So uh, I just wanted to say, you know, I just thought we should commemorate that because uh, now I want to see Halloween Kills even more and I'm even mad that I got to wait a year till next Halloween because this year sucks. And uh, <laughs> like, yeah. So I just want to do a PSA for that because I was missing a good Halloween movie theater experience this year. I agree with you. I, I, this one thing I like to do for Halloween is take it to the theater. Something that I love to do. So we definitely missed it this year. Yeah, so... It's so out of the line. And I also want to take a minute for my PSA started on Twitter to start digging in the behinds of all these companies who kept all these awesome streaming movies behind like rent buy paywall yeah. all Halloween weekend, like Halloween 2018, like Beetlejuice, which, you know, I had to do for the young ones. And I was like, are you serious right now? Yeah. Like, you Wait, can find Beetlejuice. Those, who's keeping those behind paywalls? Like all the like, they're only available through major streaming on oh, on gotcha, paid service. Okay. They get pulled off of all the major free cert. I mean, all your subscription uh, services, and they're just rent or buy like right in time for Halloween. It's like, come on, man. Yeah, I get it. Most years that is good marketing strategy. It's time you can make some few bucks on your old movies, whatever. Not this year. Yeah. Like, cut it out. Yeah, like we're already going in. No, no, no. But seriously, like we're going into a holiday season that's already going to be depressing. Like it's already like beginning to sink in how depressing this holiday season is going to be. 
Just give us some free movies, man. I feel like, like Apple, Apple stop messing around with the Peanuts movies. Right, yeah. I feel like they got shamed this into it, but they did stuff, say like, the Thanksgiving one is going to be free. Good. Like, stop messing around. Yeah. Just let people broadcast it. Let us do something to, like, just make us all feel at ease and be able to do something together and share in something the thing we're going to actually enjoy i don't need to watch halloween h2o 20 times like i did this year because it was on amc like every two seconds like that's a terrible movie sure <laughs> is that the us- halloween version of the christmas story they just replay it over and yeah over. <laughs> no dude they played that in halloween 4 like the two most awful ones like that's the one they have to rights back. to <laughs> yeah back to back to back and just like yeah it was just nuts so please just let us all enjoy these holiday Better. seasons with some good movies. Just let us stream them, put them on broadcast. Like let us all just have something. It's been a long year. Just come on. And it's going to be a long eight weeks to knock it out. So yeah. Uh, we got kind of derailed there. So let's get back on schedule. <laughs> we got to pay some bills. So when we come back, we're going to deep dive into the Mandalorian season two, fear the walking dead and Batman's newest villain. Plus the new comics of the week. Stay tuned for all of that. we're back let's talk mando yes fall tv has really officially launched and we are back um and so far as much as i do love binge watching and stand up for binge watching it is good back this is good to be back on a mainstream episodic show like the mandalorian and it definitely brandon go ahead get it out of your system what was that what did you say i said i just acknowledged while you're playing your phone that while i love binge watching it is good to be back on a mainstream show for the reasons I just ranted about uh, before the break. Because so the, epi- the episodic thing you said, I, I wasn't not just because of the nature of episodic TV. Well, it's but there's because there's no other episodic content, Brandon. Yeah, it's just good to be back on something. <laughs> yeah, with like, typically, it's balanced because you have other things coming out, and you don't have that right now. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. Look, we don't have to fight about this. It's always the point is, it's good to have the Mandalorian back, and it's good to have everybody talking about it. Um, uh, this is going to be a full spoilers discussion of the Mandalorian season two premiere. If you picked up this episode that said Mandalorian season two premiere spoilers without watching it, I don't know why, but thank you. <laughs> but uh, last warning that we're going to be talking spoilers right now. All right, so this was chapter nine called The Marshal, and um, it picked up from the end of last season with. with uh, Mando and Baby Yoda having to travel uh, around and get information on Mando's trying to find the Jedi, which, of course, we've established in this period of time are basically like a fantasy lore, like they're just a children, like a fantasy story. People don't actually know about the Jedi because despite all the heroism and fame we saw in, you know, the original trilogy that, you know, Luke Skywalker comes out of that and there's still not a whole lot of Jedi or anybody who knows that, you know, he had these special powers and did this weird force stuff to, to save the day. So Mandalorian has to track down Jedi. He doesn't know how to do this. So he's going to around the galaxy to find other Mandalorians who could maybe point him in the direction of some Jedi. And of course, after an awesome opening scene, shaking down a, a crime boss who was John Leguizamo, uh, you know, kind of middleman fixture guy, he gets led back to Tatooine, the site of all things Star Wars where he has, gets a tip that there's been a Mandalorian scene. And when he gets there, he kind of meets with uh, Amy Sedaris again, who, and I forget her name. She has a crazy... Uh, so good. Yeah, her, her uh, Star Wars name, I forget at the moment. But uh, her and her droids, and they basically figure out that there's a settlement called Mos Pelgos, where there is a marshal hanging out uh, in Mandalorian armor. So... We go there, and of course, we get trolled in the best way because for a second, standing in the doorway framed, we see the iconic Star Wars armor of Boba Fett. But this ain't your Boba Fett. Inside that armor is somebody different. His name is Cobb Vance. But more importantly, he's actually Timothy Oliphant, <laughs> which, you know, made hearts melt everywhere. Um, I love him. Timothy Oliphant. What's that? I stand Timothy Oliphant. So oh I. man, yeah, man! I've been on the Tilly Timothy Oliphant train since Deadwood, baby, uh, way back. Right. So yeah, and so uh, Timothy Oliphant, if you don't know who that is, Deadwood, Justified. He's on Fargo season four right now, again playing an actual U.S. marshal. Um, 
a small but great role on The Office. <laughs> yeah, small, I just actually watched rewatched that the other day. Uh, his name is Danny. I forget his last name, but uh, yeah, he's like one of the best salesmen in Scranton. Um, yeah, he's just been everywhere. He's just a Hitman series. Yeah, he he's just great actor. And I mean, Timothy Oliphant is like America's TV movie lawman. He's like the young Kevin Costner successor, I guess. Um, and yeah, never thought about that, right? Yeah, <laughs> I put in a that, amount of thought into this, but uh, yeah, very apt <laughs> I was like, America must need another Costner. Who will it be? Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's just who he is, and uh, he brings that persona perfectly to the Mandalorian, uh, to this role of Hob Vance. And and a lot, some people have criticized the season two premiere because it is a story we saw before, kind of in chapter four, where Mandalorian where uh, Mando basically has to help a bunch of people fight and, you know, protect their village. But uh, this one was very good and kind of nuanced reflection of the times and that they, the people of, and, and it was a deep cut Star Wars thing, because if you know anything about Star Wars and Tatooine, there's this big, you know, uneasy history between the people, the kind of like human people of that world and, and the Tusken Raiders or the sand people who, who live there. And there's history going all the way back to Anakin and, his mom and all that stuff and Luke and what happens in a new hope. But uh, in this case, the Tusken Raiders have to unite with the people defeat the Crete dragon, this big sand worm thingy. Um, yeah. And Cobb Vance and Mando similarly have to kind of come together and get the people together and, and do this. And I love this episode in the sense that it was like a movie. I mean, it was felt like a, just a standalone kind of movie on the one sense it was very much a Western, which I like because that's what the Mandalorian kind of does best is that Western sci-fi vibe it has. It had Timothy Oliphant, which I love uh, because he was just a good kind of bringing that Sheriff Bullock type character to this universe was awesome. And the scale of this was, you know, I think bigger. I mean, it really showed off that Mando's got more money in season two, just the kind of the sheer scale of this was like a blockbuster size scale. I mean, this was like blockbuster TV for real. So yeah, yeah I was not mad at this episode. It was at first I was a little worried because I didn't think when I saw it with the Oliphant fake out, I was like, Oh no, we're not just getting right into Boba Fett stuff. Like, Oh my gosh already. But like, you know, then there's that ending of the episode, which lets you know, we aren't going to be waiting long to get into some really hype stuff. So yeah, all in all, it was a, it was a good sh- kind of season two which did what a good season two premiere should do which is re-enamor you with the show while showing you off like how things are going to be bigger better in kind of the next era of it so i am not mad at the mandalorian yeah they did a great job i think the time like adding the time onto the episodes was amazing it was great to see like an hour-long episode uh we got much more character development and uh, I just, I, I'm a big fan and I do have to say this for, because I've had a couple people come into my stream and they're like, oh, I'm trying to watch all of the Star Wars movies so that I can then watch the Mandalorian because I'm like really wanting to watch it because it's blowing up right now. People that have never watched any of the movies. And I have to say, I think you're okay watching the show, even if you haven't seen every single star wars show game comic like you you can jump into the show at any time and really enjoy it you're gonna miss some easter eggs or some some beautiful callbacks that make you know really big fans super excited but you can you can get into this without having a lot of star wars knowledge um and so i just wanted to make note of that because i didn't realize how many people really do want to start watching the show that maybe was they weren't into the star wars movies yeah. I, I think even to even push that a little further, I think like, so I, cause I've had a couple of people like, do I need to watch, like, can I just jump into this mm-hmm. and do I need to watch like the whole first season? And of course I'm always ah. like, well, look, I mean, the first season was awesome. So you should yeah. watch it if you want to just see television, but if you just lack the time and want to jump in and be in part of the conversation, cause that's a big part of it. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, the recap was really well done. I went ahead. Well, I always watch it because I'm always curious, you know, because like every show is someone's first show. So um, I watched the recap. I was like, they did a pretty good job. That's pretty succinct. I mean, of course, there's beats that you don't get, but to get you started here, 
and the show does a, a really good job of like establishing the relationship between like you know the guardian thing between mando and the child and like the whole dynamic and then once you start like it does a really good job of getting you out you could start this episode and mm-hmm. really get get what people like about it and then if you want to go back and watch the rest you could i'm not saying that's your preferred viewing i mean always it's the more you can the better sometimes but uh but i you, i think you could it's like it yeah. makes a good argument for that yeah last year i remember for a little while i was i was thinking like that i didn't prefer how episodic the season was like it, like every episode did very little to advance the overall plot but told its own self-contained story from start to finish and then by the end of it, I was fully convinced. I was like, you know what? That was the better way to go. It, it gave each story its own kind of, uh, each episode its own kind of story to, to start with, to see through. And also like before each episode ended, it was like, all right, well, here is like a step towards, you know, where we're ultimately going in the overarching scheme with this character. But this was a story along the way. And I think that that is also going to probably be reflected in the entire seasons. It seems like that's the approach. Like it seems like each season kind of has its, own start and finish and this season is going to be all about getting him to uh either the jedi or wherever little the child is from uh and i think that's really interesting and that makes it easy to just kind of hop in after a short recap like you won't know understand every nuance and bit of it if you don't watch it but it you know they're not it's not a binge show so you can take the time to watch the first eight episodes which are not a full hour each and you could probably catch up in a week or so and be, be ready for episode two, chapter 10. I also want to shout out John Favreau for two choices he made in directing the season two premiere. One was the very Iron Man-like shot when uh, Cobb Vanth shot the, what did he shoot that was far? I feel he shot, but like when he like leaned oh, over. Boba. He's finally got to see, finally see Boba Fett's like little like backpack rocket. missile. Yeah. 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 He, like, he like, I forget what his target was, but he like. It was a, it was a speeder that was trying to get away from town. Oh, okay. So yeah. The guys on. Yeah. yeah. He like used the thing. He like hunched over and the rocket came out over his head and it was shot almost as a mirror or two and timed exactly the same as when Iron Man shot the tank in the first Iron Man movie and he just walked away. And it was like, it was just like that over the shoulder shot. It's the quiet moment where the thing comes out. I liked that. I, I know that wasn't a mistake from Favreau. He had to do that on purpose because he directed both of those. And also the change in the aspect ratio was genius. When the fight against the crate dragon started, which I like to call the Alaskan bullworm, uh, <laughs> when it emerges from the cave and it starts chasing down those Tusken Raiders, as its mouth opens, your screen gets bigger as if like it just switched to IMAX. Like those black bars that it goes, it goes from, I think like 23.9 to 16.9. Uh, and it gives you a more immersive feel for that entire battle right up until the final scene when it goes back to 23 or whatever that, that, that skinnier, slimmer aspect ratio is. And I thought that was really cool and really immersive. Such a cool catch. Yeah, that was a awesome. really good catch because I didn't even notice that. I love it when the Mandalorian comes out. You go full Star Wars nerd on us. It's amazing. <laughs> I, know, I will never get, listen. I will never claim to be a full Star Wars nerd. There's so much I don't know about Star Wars, but Mandalorian, right. I love this show. Like I, that's, I, right. I, that's that's its entire purpose yeah. to bring the people in. <laughs> no, but um, yeah, no, this was amazing. Like like you said, I noticed the aspect ratio at that part. That was that was such an amazing kind of like turn and just making you feel and. This is how good of a job they are. Like, I have several options of where to view TV. And like all of you these days, I can sit there on a small screen or my computer while I'm working or I have several TV setups. No, I was like, everybody, I got everybody out of my house. I was like, everybody go where you need to go this morning. Out. Like, and then I just turned in my full big TV, big like sound nice. system and was like, no, nah, I want the full cinematic theater Mandalorian experience. And I'm doing this every Friday. It's awesome. Because you know, good things in 2020 need to. Yes. So, we got seven. Um, yeah. And I was not disappointed this time because they delivered that level of experience, you know, and it, it was great. So yeah, this just kind of movie Western style beginning is great. And now I'm looking forward to all the still the things, you know, with Boba Fett, with Ahsoka Tano and Bo-Katan and all this other deep cut. I don't think Boba Fett's going to be a bad guy. I don't think oh, so. No. Like, I mean, yeah, let's talk theories. You weren't here for our predictions, but now it's good to revisit some of this after the premiere. Um, I don't think so either because I think there is reason that he and Mando would need each other 
Uh, Mando yeah. has his armor for one thing, um, so he needs. I don't that think he back. wants his armor back. Uh, yeah, I think that I, I feel don't like think he would have already taken it if he wanted yeah. it back. No, but I mean, he could have left it behind. But he doesn't. He's never really been connected to the Mandalorian kind of creed. He's just right. been this weird figure, kind of loosely connected because Jango Fett just stole some Mandalorian's armor and kind of raised Boba Fett and that kind of thing. So he could earn it the right way for once and kind of like get it back and. That'd actually cool. wear it the right way and have his name cleared or stuff or work for the guild again or whatever he does. And yeah, uh, yeah man, somebody who has information and there's probably nobody who yeah. knows more about <laughs> like Jedi and all that stuff in, in the universe that he could run into right now than Boba Fett. So yeah, they could actually be loose allies. Um, we should also say that Cobb, that Star Wars and Disney plus they released a Cobb vamp poster of Timothy Oliphant, which was kind of uh, significant because as many fans speculate, you know, you only invest in that kind of promo stuff if you're going to probably see these people more than once. You don't yeah. usually do that for a one-off. Come on, we're not, we'll see him again. Yeah, of so. course. And I mean, they said at the end, he's like, I hope our paths cross again. So do I. That's also yeah. what I like about the show is that more often, like, yes, it's, it's had some people die, obviously. Like there are stakes in the show, but it's added a lot more than it's taken away. So, like, for all the characters that have, you know, added and, like, died or we don't know what happened to them, it's added way more interesting supporting characters to the franchise. And that's really cool because then, of course, like, you can spin off stuff if you want or you can just, like, all of these little nuggets that they just keep throwing along the way. It's really cool. Like, I, I love that part about the show. I want to see behind-the-scenes footage of uh, Pedro Pascal trying to speak Tus- Tuscan Raider. That was great. <laughs> Yeah, that was great, man. There's so many small, great details in that episode. But um, yeah, yeah, I agree. So Mandalorian uh, doing well. And yeah, I can't wait to see who Ram Mandalorian, his expanding crew, what it, what it looks like. Because we still got Greek Karga and Cara Dune. It'd be nice to add uh, Cobb Vance, a little Boba Fett, you know. We got a real crew. I bet it won't here, be long so. until Timothy Oliphant yeah. is in a uh, Marvel movie. Now that he's now that he's hit a home run with Disney. Oh, probably. I mean, dude, like I said, he is. This generates. Oh, he's wrong with that guy. He'd be a pretty like, good Richard Rider. He might be a little too old. Oh my god! You know, that's always my first pick for. <laughs> no nah, man, he looks like he. Uh, I mean, he has that air like he was hanging out in the Southwest and. Maybe yeah. fell in love with a dark-haired beauty and made I a little mean, Sam Alexander. kind of a space cowboy, but he's not from the South. Yeah, well, you know, we flip that around. We, we can change a little liberties. We need, uh, we need that uh, Nashville belt demographic for one of these movies. So <laughs> there you go. But we just solved several problems. All right. Think of the premiere, Brandon. Think of the premiere if we could do that. Flip it around. Get a little Nashville flavor in there. All right. Moving right along. We're getting ahead of ourselves. So. Let's go for The Mandalorian. You know we're going to be hitting this every week, so we'll be back talking about Chapter 10 next week with everybody and uh, kind of keeping this, keeping this thing going. All right, let's talk Fear the Walking Dead. So, yeah, I got I to shout out Fear the Walking Dead. Uh, Brendan Davis just did, I think, an excellent piece on this about the upswing in quality of this show that we're back. And uh, we've been very upfront here. We've referenced uh, BD as we've been talking about this because, you know, we've said that this, this show goes through some pretty big oscillations in quality. You can get something hot like three and you can fall off into something like a season four and be completely lost in something like a season five. Um, <laughs> now we're back. You know, things were starting off promising. We were kind of, kind of hopeful, but trepidatious, but subsequent episodes have been pretty good. And uh, this week, I think they uh, really hit it out of the park. I told uh, Janelle that one of my favorite episodes of any of these walking dead shows period is the John and June episode on that little kind of peninsular island thing they're stuck on. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was kind of like a, in a weird way, like a spiritual sequel to that episode that followed just John and kind of living under Virginia's new rule and him being the sheriff and his kind of character arc of, of being able to accept this lie of a, in, in very good subtext, this fascist world and being able to, to kind of serve it as this figure of the lawman and, and believe in all that until it all gets kind of stripped away. And, and he has to kind of confront the dark underbelly of, of what he's really a part of and can he live with that and square that so away. And uh, man, Garrett Dillahunt really is like one of the best character actors in the business. And if you've never followed this man's work, 
again, this is just another Deadwood reference, like going back to his, like the nightmare character he played on Deadwood to just seeing him show up in things like Looper to playing this character on Fear the Walking Dead. Like, oh my God, I'm, I'm so glad. Yeah, like he's a creepy Looper too. Um, yeah, and like even some of the horror stuff like Last House on the Left remake he's in. Like, yeah, like, man, this was just a great spotlight for him to shine and be able to take the lead and carry an entire episode because yeah, he did such a good in that John and June episode. I, uh, I had a chance. I talked to Garrett this week and the, the scene where he explains like how his father made the tr- the difficult choice of like pursuing a serial killer when he knows the truth and like losing a big, like his life with his family because of that um, was, I don't know exactly how, but he told me that that is like he lost Garrett Dillahunt lost his father uh, recently and he had asked production to bring him back as late as possible. And they did. And he asked to specifically like have input on that scene and be able to put bits in there that are about his own father in real life. Wow. Uh, and he dedicated the episode to his dad. Oh, so, well, I mean, one hell of an episode to dedicate cause he certainly did the damn thing in that episode and really like, yeah, this was just a great episode that explained kind of who John is and like why he is and, you know, all that great stuff and just some really great scene for scene. Like that's what Fear of the Walking Dead really is doing. It's just like it nails those dramatic character scenes really well this season. And, and it just gives you setups that are just sequences and setups that are just, again, that's the strength of the show. You, you're not reinventing the wheel. We've seen a bunch of zombie stuff, but it's the context that you put it in and how you kind of stage it. So the scene where he's trying to save a girl from being executed, you know, for a falsely for a crime she didn't commit but to kind of preserve the order of this, of this little town and him going out in the woods and trying to save her. And you know, what happens when he discovers her and that just the whole scene with a song that now is like traumatizing him when he hears it. And like, yeah, all that stuff is just, you know, really haunting, you know, powerful scenes. And like, just the moment where he's just, he looks at her and he's just like, Oh, Jan, like it, it, like just the way he says that was, he's so, he killed it. He did such a good job in this episode. And then we're, uh, where where he's getting the key from from Ginny, like knowing full well that like he's settling for not the tr- for less than the truth and for less than justice. I I thought he was gonna like you know when the boys when Homelander just tore up the whole crowd and then it turned yes. out to be a dream. They should have done that. They should have had him blow her head off, and then it had been a dream. Because I was sitting there screaming like John, just do it, just blow her head off. And I thought Virginia. I, I feel bad for Colby Minifee because I think she's a fine actor. I think she's a good actress. I think Virginia is one of the worst parts of the show. I, ever since she mm. came on the show, I thought she's a cartoonish, silly parody of a Western villain. And this episode, for the first time, actually made her a very interesting, compelling, ruthless, cunning, manipulative villain in a way that actually worked and made sense for once. And I thought that was great. And it made me really hate her in a way that's like, I'm supposed to hate a villain, not in like, I get frustrated when this character's on the screen because I get bored. Like, it was like a really well done job. And I think this season has just, it's been so damn good. And I, I was, I've been worried every week. Like, I start each episode and I'm like, oh, is this going to be the first bad one of this season? And each, four for four, and I just, I, I have 20 minutes left in, in the upcoming episode that's not out yet. I, I paused it to, to do this. And it's, it's phenomenal so far. Like, it's really good. And I can't believe how good the show is. It's just unbelievable yeah. how, what, because it started started here at the end of season one it like had a good episode and then started season two not great season two started rising season three i would argue might be the best single season of either any of the walking dead shows and then season four started strong and then just went crashed down season five was awful and then season six so far five for five in my opinion it's it's really unreal yeah no i mean from the beginning i've been loving this and we've been hyping it on every week on the show because it really is. I, I'm the same way. I tune in. I'm like, okay, here's the one where I'm, my eyes start to glaze over. And I'm like, all right, we're back to this. But no, every week again. And I think more and more shows are taking, stealing that HBO model where every week there is a storyline, but every week it is a self-contained, almost like movie experience. And where you walk away and you're like, man, that was really satisfying by the end. And it feels like you've seen something complete and there's still more intrigue. And I agree with you, Virginia. This is the first time she hasn't been like a, a weird 
evil cowgirl caricature. Um, <laughs> yeah. The scenes with her and John were really good with that count and mouse game they were playing with each other. And, and Victor Strand versus John. And that oh, fight. and I like broke your heart. I love both of those guys. And I was like, there's no winners here. Yeah. I felt I was like Rick versus Shane in that moment. Like, cause I like both of those characters. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I wanted Shane. to point out earlier. You were talking, I didn't want to interrupt you, but this was the first episode that really made me feel like this could take the lead over the walking dead as like, the main kind of carrier of the show because I don't think I felt something like as sad for a zombie as when John had to shoot that zombie girl as like when Rick had to shoot the zombie lady in the, in the pilot mm-hmm. and when he sees her and he's just so sad. And like, yeah. And you're just yeah. like, and so, yeah, I mean, this one is just becoming really good And uh, yeah, Virginia's actually has smarts and is doing what we've seen others like the governor and Negan do, but in a very different um, in, you know, in a way that I think is wonderfully like feminine in the sense of how she controls society. She doesn't try to do it like a man, like with an iron fist. It's about kind of playing people's emotions and giving them. And she knows one of my favorite things is not to inflict pain, but to give people what they want and, and thread to take those things away. Like, you know, get like the letters with June or bringing June back for his, you know, service and, making people go through that moral compromise to say, okay, I would rather just but have also this thing saying, I like. Yeah. But also now she's saying she has leverage and she has. Yeah. And I, if, yeah. I, I, if, I can't, I can't say good enough things about season five, season six of fear. I think it's, I think it's phenomenal so far. Yeah. So yeah. If you guys are just like sleeping on it, don't get back into fear of the walking I was, dead. I want the Kofi is the reason why I started watching again. I fell off season three. I literally, I just, I was bored of it. I was tired of it. It was so good though. I know. I just, I don't know why I just let it go. And then uh, we started doing the podcast and Kofi's like, Janelle fear. You gotta watch it. So then, I'm really excited. What do you back. think? Any chance uh, Madison is the one who saved uh, Morgan? Oh, that'd be amazing. I want her back so bad. That'd be, be the cherry on top, man. I think yeah. like if you want to win people back, I don't know if Kim Dickens would do it after how dirty they apparently did her, but man, that's your well, one way. That's your world. So, world changed a lot since then. As someone ladies in Hollywood. Well, as someone who doesn't, so like is not like into fear at all. Um, <laughs> But going from like, cause you guys talked about like season three was great and then like dipped and then went off the rails completely. And then six, what changed from five Everything. to six? Like, is there I, a different team? Is so there... no, no, I don't know enough. The writer, it's still the same showrunners. I think uh, Scott Gimple is less involved because he then became more involved with world beyond, but I don't know if that's a factor. I think like, the, like they start now it's an anthology format where you're following kind of one character or one smaller group of characters, but instead of uh, following like one group at a, one, the whole group, you're following just one more focused story and they're doing a really nice job of tying the stories together, but really letting each character have their own purpose instead of see, uh, season five. I think Lenny James is, is one of, if not the most talented actor in the entire franchise right now. And he's up oh, there yeah. with like Melissa McBride. Always and, has been though. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. But in season five, they took Morgan Jones and made him one of the least interesting characters. A mm. silly, senseless character who says, I don't kill. I will help strangers even if it puts our group in obvious danger, even if it risks every resource we have. And they took every character, Victor Strand, who was a cunning, sly, interesting con man to start with. Alicia Clark, who started as like this innocent, helpless teenage girl and evolved into like a badass who could become a leader. And all these other characters like John and June, who had their great episode in season four. And they made them completely mindless, pointless clones of the Morgan show that were just following him aimlessly. And it was just never interesting at any point. And it was frustrating. Yeah. You, had, you had Strand who no longer was willing to stand up for anything, including himself. You had Alicia who went from twirling a knife around and carrying a, the, the butt of an MG42 Gatling gun and using it as a weapon to stab people in the head to painting trees. Like that was her <laughs> weekly thing. Painting yeah, oh God, I forgot about all and of this. Like, <laughs> Ask me why I stopped watching. And it's just like, what were you doing? Like season three was so tremendous. And then slowly it just started taking away all of the interesting things about these characters. And now all of those things are back. Like they're very clearly back. And Morgan Jones, as you'll see in this Sunday's episode, even more so, is hands down the most interesting version of himself he has ever been. And it is not even nice. close. 
Well, the problem is he needed that dog. Like now he's a dog. Yeah. So like, and a hat. Like everything better. And yeah, no, um, yeah. Or an axe. And he's a badass again. Now he's a stick with an axe. Like that was, yeah. question, that was a good question, Matt. I'm glad. You, I, I think people would would actually ask that same question. So good question. All right, but yeah, if we haven't stumped enough, we're not getting paid by AMC, but we're doing this out of love. <laughs> well, I do have big. I do have big Walking Dead news that I broke today. Oh, go ahead. Oh Drop my gosh, this is so great. Um, on, in the Walking Dead's six additional episodes for season 10, in one of those episodes, we're going to get the Here's Negan story or a version of it. And playing Negan's wife, Lucille, will be none other than, other than Jeffrey Morgan's wife, Hillary Burton. Ooh, that is nice. That's All so right. Amazing. BD comes through with the scoopage. That's why we love you here. All right. I'm going to try to By the time you guys hear this, you got Walking Dead fans should have plenty to freak out about. All right. We're going to move on. And talk about what's going on in comics. Matt's going to give us a rundown of the comics at the end of the show. But first, we are going to talk about Batman 102 and the debut of, I put in the show title, Villain, but uh, really it's like anti-hero, but that doesn't sound as sexy. But um, <laughs> new Batman character, Ghostmaker, which yeah. is a name I hate. Um, let's just get that right off the bat. I hate that name. But an interesting premise from a character, which is, from the kind of Batman, if you're not familiar with Batman eras, there's the, you know, everybody knows the year one era when, you know, Batman came to Gotham and had to establish his Batman identity. But there was this thing built on top of that, which is year zero, which is the year that Bruce Wayne actually was out and traveling and trying to collect the assortment of skills that would make him Batman one day, which is, you know, detective fighting and all this other stuff. So... Ghostmaker is actually a character that comes from that era of Batman's life when he was doing this training. And it's a person who had a distinctly different philosophy for how to be a crime fighter and to lock down and save a city and do all this than Bruce Wayne did. Obviously, Ghostmaker is just more of a Red Hood kind of figure um, in the sense that he just wants to kill the bad criminals and, and cleanse the population of the evil parts and do all that which is, you know, a recurring theme of Batman. That's not exactly revolutionary. Red Hood, Azrael, this comes up every now and again. But uh, Ghostmaker has a suit that, I mean, he's got a techie. He's a ninja, but he also has a techie edge. So he's like every, he's like something like a third grader created when they couldn't make up their mind about certain things. Like he's like a ninja, but he's also like, he's got tech stuff. So <laughs> but, um, he does, he has a suit that can, you know, hack computer systems and get all kinds and worm its way and even worm its way into Oracle Batgirl systems and, do all this stuff. And so this issue we get introduced to Ghostmaker and kind of uh, what he's going to be. And uh, personally, I thought it was a, it was a fair introduction. It, it wasn't bad uh, so far. I think more interesting part is seeing kind of like the year zero flashbacks to Bruce Wayne and being like oh, in yeah. Ireland to get trained by the world's best knife fighter um, and seeing this rival that he had and, that story of him having this rival is kind of, I think, what will be the most interesting thing to me because you always get from the mythos that Batman is, like, the supreme best at all this and stuff. And he's just, like, just born with skill or something. Yeah, it's, it's just like, cool that yeah. he's trying to find, like, mentors and people to teach him how to be great at knife fighting. I mean, that's... Yeah, and all that I, stuff, I never thought about that. Yeah, and all that stuff's cool, but, like, the idea that, there, that you know, maybe he wasn't top of the class, you know, yeah. what I mean? like, is a very interesting concept. And it will be interesting if other people begin to learn, like maybe Batman isn't the most Batman Batman out there. You know what I mean? Like that's, I agree. I think that's the most, well, I think that's the most interesting part about their, not necessarily their dynamic, but like Batman as a, as a crime fighter, like the fact that they're fighting over Gotham. But I, but I also actually like, okay. So one, I agree. I hate the name just like ghost spider. I don't know why people feel <laughs> like. Not, it, like unless stop you're putting killer, things like, after yeah. Ghost. Like, stop it. Like, I mean, Ghostbuster is the only thing that and works. And Face Killer should be the only thing <laughs> like after Ghost like, Maker. Ghost. Like, he makes people into ghosts because right, he kills them. Right, but it sounds like he's an appliance. <laughs> like, it sounds bad. But his suit, oh my God. his design, <laughs> though, and suit looks That's, slick. I, I love it. the suit. Yes. I he looks, love it. I was like, I want to cosplay as this right? guy. Right. And I feel like a lot of people will. And they've already said, like, like Tynan's already, you know, teased like, we're not done with this character. So expect a bunch of like, he's going to get his own book at some point. Don't, oh, wow. don't doubt, you know, it's going to. Oh yeah. They've like, already been hyping up. He's going to get yeah. a new suit, his own yeah. book. Like, yeah, it's going he's, down. He's good. But like 
what I what I did like is one, we, we kind of criticized Tiny, and rightfully so, for like during Joker War, like he planted all these seeds and then like we didn't get a lot of those paid off. But mm. like we're getting the paid off now. So like the clown this is the most relevant clown hunter has been. Yeah, right. Since yeah. this whole thing started. And it makes sense. It it it's like I actually like it because like Ghostmaker is coming in. What I did like is that he's coming in and he's not just trying he's he's threatening him for I mean, as you can see, a reason. And it's essentially like he tells Batman at one point, like, do your job. Your failure, yeah. You're, yeah, do yeah, your job. You let attitude. this dude just go. He just dude straight up killed people. Like, just killed people. This in kid, his you've just been letting run around kill people. like Right. Yeah. And you let him off with a warning and told him, yeah, okay, like, I'm watching you. Like, this dude has killed how many? So, like, you can kind of understand, like, how he comes in. Is like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, we agreed. You agreed to like this is my city. He's like, well, you're not doing a very good job, and like he's he's essentially like, yes, part of it is the ego that you can see like in the flashbacks. Like, there's this obvious rivalry between them, mm-hmm. and that stuff with like the mentor is really interesting. And like, so there's some really cool seeds here. But like, I like that he's to me, he's not just, hey, I want to kill people, and you don't. It's not just complete like Jason Todd. 3.0 it's right. i do like the little things of like there was an agreement you're i've watched you and like joker war your city just fell apart under your watch and you had all the money in the world and you didn't you couldn't get it right so i'm kind of here to like do your job better than you and i, I actually dug that I actually, yeah i actually the thing i dig about him is i dig all the monologues and why it, it already makes a case where i will enjoy a Ghostmaker book because his monologues are actually really good yeah. and like funny. And I love that his viewpoint and in unlike people, other people like Red Hood, who's just obviously pissed off on a personal note, like he is kind of objective and they kind of present him as not being insane. He's like, this place is insane. Like what <laughs> you people do every day here is insane. He's like, burn it I, down I, yeah. and start over. Yeah. He's yeah. like, this, this place, place is nuts. Like I come <laughs> yeah. in here and you got people murdering people. Like there's been like Banes, there's been jokers. Like everybody's been like freaking out. Like, this is all insane. Like, I don't know how you guys have been letting this take place for this long. Like, yeah, this is nuts. And he's like, I'm like, and he's coming as the one look from the outsider being like, look, man, I've been watching everything on these computer screens. This is all nuts. Like we gotta, we gotta do something better for this. Um, and then like, yeah, it's an interesting kind of juxtaposition. The fact that Batman for once isn't so confident in like that, this person kind of, kind of shakes him a little bit and yeah, that's good. It's going to be interesting. Is it weird that like, I, for some reason this makes me look at Batman as very small that like the only thing that he kind of saves is gotham and meanwhile there's like there's heroes out here that are actually saving the world (laughs) it's like i was like it just made me that's a bad thing yeah i think it's i think that's right on point i think you're you're right on as far as like because i felt like oh like you your agreement was for like this is my city which one little city right which means what is this dude doing like is he taking care of everything (laughs) Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, and it brings up the larger good questions about, like, what is the purpose that Batman was trained for? Like, did everybody give this rich kid all this training just to, like, be muddling around the city all this time and not really solving it? Those don't seem like the sort of people he went to for training. They seem, like, more extreme, like we saw, like, in a good, reflected in, like, a movie like Batman Begins, like, Ra's al Ghul in, in the League of Assassins, you know. Those were the people, like, and that movie captured that aspect of the story very well in some ways in the comics that are just now kind of maybe going to explore in this kind of story, which is like, yeah, if he's been trained for something that is in a larger organization or, or like affiliated or, tr- or creates those sort of people, like then, yeah, this dude has been out there like doing world stage stuff while Batman's been like muddling around in Gotham and losing control of it on scales that threaten the world. So like, yeah. What's up? Never mind. Okay. <laughs> now, to be to be fair to Batman, Batman has been doing stuff with the Justice League, of course. So it's not yeah. like he's always here. True. But like, yeah. but yeah, here it's awesome. magnified. Like you can really right. see that. Yeah. And I just heard Timothy Oliphant was cast as Goat Ghostmaker in the third uh, Matt Reeves movie. So. <laughs> I'd watch. It. Thank I'm you. I'm about <laughs> it. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. Let's go. No, and but it'd be interesting to see what happens if there's a guy who can audition for the Justice League who's more Batman than Batman, you know, on a larger scale. Like, so oh we're gonna say, my gosh, that'd be awkward. <laughs> wow. Um, so that'd be I would read 
just a storyline that is the Ghostmaker versus Batman Justice League audition. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I kind of want them to read all of the things off. Like, yeah, this dude kills, but like Batman like took down his entire team four times. <laughs> like Batman designed a an AI that like almost took over the planet and like <laughs> was like looking over Batman Ghostmaker versus Battle. All right, yeah. <laughs> all right. That's uh, Batman 102. We're gonna keep seeing where this new era of Batman goes after Joker War. Matt, why don't you run down the uh, other comics that are gonna be out this week, including the ones we'll probably be talking about on our next show before and anything else we have in our rundown section. Yeah, so uh, we've got, of course, the next uh, two chapters in Ten of Swords. We have uh, X-Men number 14 is chapter 12, and then we have Marauders number 14, chapter 13. Only two chapters this week. Uh, We have Avengers number 38, which is the first part of that Enter the Phoenix story. Uh, to decide the next Phoenix user. So that'll be interesting. Uh, we have Thor number nine, Captain Marvel number 23, Deceased Dead Planet number five, Deadpool number eight, Black Widow number three, uh, new series crossover number one uh, from the writer of Venom. We also have Wolverine, Black, White, and Blood number one, US Agent number one, which I honestly didn't even realize was coming out. <laughs> uh, we have Ultraman, The Rise of Ultraman number three, Mighty Morphin number one. You know, I was going to fit Power Rangers in here somewhere. We have Origins number one and Dryad <laughs> number six. I always fit it in. Also going to fit it in next week because there's another book launching too. So there will never be a podcast that I'm on where I don't point out that I strongly believe that Matt needs to have his own comics podcast <laughs> Why? Yeah. i swear man I, like nobody it, like we all get excited about some things but every single weekend and week out you are the most excited about the same thing every week and it's, i mean it's not the same thing it's the comics but you have the knowledge you have the enthusiasm comicbook.com give this guy a podcast <laughs> well i mean christ like i mean in just two seasons this is already slowly evolving into a comic podcast I know. I, that single-handedly is making me read comics, and I'm so. Slowly, I literally sent him a message today. Yeah. I was like, "I love reading comics. Thank you so this much." It's slowly turning into a Matt podcast. We talk love more it. now about <laughs> comics, <laughs> well, WWE, that's why, that's video games, video games. Yeah. Like, yeah. We Kobe, look out! We did a Save by the Bell segment last time. Yeah, is like, it Joseph uh, that always says on Twitter, "Matt's agenda"? Yes, I think the hashtag Matt's agenda. I think that's yeah. growing. Well, moving into our rundown, uh, because I can't debate any of that because I'm about to talk about two gaming things and a WWE thing. Um, <laughs> so we have uh, N7 Day is almost here. Mass Effect, uh, they do this every year. It's a celebration of the franchise, but this one sticks out because they're reuniting the entire voice cast from the original which makes people think that maybe for the love of Lord, they'll announce the remastered trilogy that has been the worst kept secret in gaming for like, I feel like 10 years <laughs> That's yeah. been forever. So like maybe fingers crossed this will actually happen. So that is coming up next week. We also have uh, AEW games uh, event, which is going to be AEW's first gaming event. They are going to, what people are expecting, of course, is the announcement of their first video game. The thing that perks the interest, and I know everybody here, has probably played like those old school No Mercy and like WCW and WO games that were like on the N64. Oh, and yeah. Like, what he loves. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The oh, developers yeah. of those games have a new studio, and it is huh. rumored that they're the ones handling AEW's wrestling game. Nothing oh. is, of course confirmed or anything but people are kind of expecting that and so they like that would be a good thing they're that yeah they're very much going to go in the opposite direction you know that like wwe has for the last few years gosh that, 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 sounds, that sounds great yeah, yeah. bring so it back that's the what what most people are hoping for so that is going to happen on november 10th uh and then last but not least uh because i had to slip it in again so we told you last time that we were going to have a big exclusive for power rangers we did it was fan friday and we got the first interview with the dino fury cast and uh so if you want to check out like a full uh bunch of questions i managed to fit in like relevant questions but of course i also threw in like a monkey and a taco truck and a bunch of crap because i'm weird so i threw all that in there in that interview you can check that out on comic.com so definitely do that so that is the rundown. Wait, Matt, what did you think about the Power Rangers costumes from Kylie Jenner? Oh, God. Okay. As the one who had to write that post. Oh, my gosh. I had to write that. Uh, <laughs> you know what? Crazily enough, not the worst I've seen. I'm and actually you know, glad they gave it a little shine. They got all a the Rangers A whole new there. generation of Dude, people. Power Rangers was not is. hurting for Halloween. I sent him another video. Yeah, you did. 
Yeah, that was an entire costume of Power Rangers, like dancers that like got and did a whole dance routine as Power Rangers. And they got the whole team King Bach, in both cases. King Bach. Yeah, like, yeah, both wow. cases got the whole team props. Look, man, yeah. I that ain't. I don't know what's better. happening in LA right now, but apparently Power Rangers. So there you go. <laughs> it's more for time. That's Maybe they've been listening to podcasts. Popular costume this weekend. They, like I saw so many people dressed up as Power Rangers. My friends in South Carolina. agenda full of oh, the U.S. Out to them. They we are were all looking at the election. We were looking in the wrong place. <laughs> <laughs> Matt's agenda was really what was happening. Telling you, Matt. Put them in. The all right. Oh that was. I had to get one election joke in there. All right. I love it. That'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. We want to thank you guys for tuning in. As always. We put up episodes every Wednesday and Friday on comicbook.com where you can listen in on the site or we're on your favorite podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Google Playlist. You can tell any of your smart home devices to fire up Comic Book Nation podcast and it'll start playing for you. Or you can watch us. We air episodes live every Wednesday and Friday on Facebook. If you can't watch them then, you can go to the Comic Book Nation YouTube page and check them out there. You can always find us hanging around the at Comic Book Nation Twitter account or the hashtag Comic Book Nation hashtag. Or you can talk to me at Kofi Outlaw. Find me at Matt Aguilar CB. You can find me at Janelle Wheeler on Twitch and all the socials. <laughs> that means you can find Brandon Davis at. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I feel like everybody already knows. Yeah, that's what we say here. Everybody knows where to find Brandon Davis. <laughs> just type in comic book Brandon Davis. You'll find a bunch of stuff. There you go. <laughs> Boom. All right. Yeah, so that'll do, <laughs> that'll do it go. for this episode. We want to thank you guys for tuning in. It's stressful times, but stay connected. And if you need a place to duck out for a little bit, we'll be here for you as always. So that'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. And this time, I earnestly mean this. Peace. Aces.